podcast ain't played nobody your college football marriage of numbers and words i am bill Connolly. i'm here with stephen godfrey godfrey you are an official internet meme which one was your favorite God, I don't even know. Like there, there. I mean, there were some lame ones because you're always going to have a percentage of lame ones. But I mean, it was a universal. It, it was a very, very. You can interpret this in many different ways and run with it kind of thing. I was impressed. I, our, our little, twi- our little corner of Twitter is pretty good at this stuff, uh, and they really came through, memeing Stephen Godfrey. How are you feeling? <sighs> Done. Yeah. You're never setting foot in Mississippi again. Leave all this in. Oh, I plan on it. <laughs> you know how good it feels to scream? I learned that throughout the process of trying to do an investigative uh, an investigative story. Like 11582 is the final word count. A lot of people ask me on Twitter. In the process of doing that, in the process of it being in your backyard and your alma mater and literally having to ha- having to have confrontations with sources and people and relationships that you've had for a long time and then also make a television show that doesn't always go smoothly. In fact, really never went smoothly. Um, a very guerrilla style effort. It was um, it was an experience. I'm not dead. It's been the party line right now is that I'm everyone asks like, Oh, how are you feeling? And my response is I am not dead. And that's all that matters. I also got a lot of PAP and listeners, Bill, I got a lot of PAP and listeners. You know what they said to me yesterday? They said, I was a little, I was a little chuffed when you took five weeks off in November. And I thought, what could possibly be this labor intensive? And you know what all of those people said yesterday that they were sorry for feeling that way. <laughs> Daddy was working. Oh, oh! Daddy went out. You got really Daddy, good at Daddy at, went uh, out and did a job. What now? Drinking? What now? Cavorting? All right. You're drinking a little, I bet. I've been drinking a lot lately. Um, <laughs> this is my third hangover in three days. Nice. Uh, let me just ask you this: so, with book writing. I know that basically like the writing itself isn't that bad, but everything that happens after the writing stops is horrendous. Now I know you weren't necessarily enjoying yourself for a a chunk of that November uh, trip, but what was the ratio of awfulness before and awfulness after the, the, the post-production awfulness? Are you trying to get me like another HR thing, Bill? Are you trying? Are you, you trying to? to are you trying to expand my? Are you trying to expand the HR file that I have at SB? At Box I'm Media? just asking for a ratio. Is all. Oh, that's even worse. No number I give would be. In fact, I think ascribing a number to it is probably going to get me any. You know, I don't think quantifying anything is, is going to be good for me in terms of talking about how this television show got made. Um, but I will say this. I'm going to segue out of that. Um, I, I'm going to sidestep and no comment you as, as uh, most people in my life are want to do to me uh, by saying we have some programming announcements. Bill, you ready? Let's do it. Okay. So 
We're here today. We're going to do a PAPN. It's the College Football Marriage Numbers Awards. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38 Godfrey. That's Bill Connolly. You can reach him at SBN underscore Bill C. Um, I will do the plugs and promos in just a second because I actually have stuff to read instead of making a joke about how I don't do anything anymore. Um, but programming notes first. Uh, as we record this, it is Thursday, May 31st. We are entering the doldrums. It seems as if very few people want to uh, get arrested uh, change NCAA legislation or realign this year. Uh, personally, I think you're all lazy bitches. Uh, I don't understand why one school can't say something or do something controversial or why one conference can't decide if they want to poach, you know, Houston and USF. The hell's going on with you people? Um, accordingly, Bill and I are about to go on a little recording spree because we are going to program uh, a little summer vacation. So what that means, if you're freaking out, is that you are going to have PAPN once a week for the next three weeks. Uh, Bill and I have two special editions coming up. They're not going to be normal PAPNs. We will not be soliciting for questions, although we did today, and you guys gave us too many. My we God. Love <laughs> we love you so much. But uh, we are recording the next two weeks' episodes tomorrow. Um, so you won't hear them until the following weeks. Uh, it's a combination of I know vaca- I have to do the family vacation, and if you think it ain't Pensacola, oh, you're wrong. I'm going down. I'm going down to the original PCB. <laughs> um, I have, we have vacation. Um, I have a mandatory leave. I'm not in trouble, I'm, but basically, uh, our editor in chief, Elena Bergeron, told me that I have to leave. I think um, I think basically they they phrased it to me the way that truckers are only allowed to drive something like 36 hours every 48, and I've been driving 72 hours straight, uh, metaphorically at least. And so I'm going to take a little break for a minute, as much as a father of two under four can do. And um, we will be back. We will be back bright-eyed and bushy-tailed before the actual real summer vacation begins. So over the next two weeks, you're going to get two special editions. One, Bill Connolly, we can say, is dedicated to any and everything you name about Foul Play, Paid in Mississippi, the television show that's now streaming over at Go90, as well as Crooked Letters, which is the gargantuan Leviathan long form that we dropped yesterday at SB Nation about the NCAA investigation into Mississippi and all things, all things Egg Bowl and more. Um, if you want to ask questions, I'm just going to go ahead and correct myself right now, Bill. If you want to ask questions specifically about anything to do with foul play, anything to do with the crooked letter story, go ahead and do it. Just write at, just, just hit us at ask PAPN when this comes out, we are recording tomorrow on Friday. So, so this is really only going to benefit those of you who listen to the show, uh, on that kind of early bird clip. Although we have a lot of listeners who, who turn on and finish the show within like 90 minutes to two hours of you posting it. It's, I'm always impressed. Yeah. No kidding. The show and I'm getting feedback to stuff like by dinner that night. It's always pretty <laughs> impressive. So if you want to talk about foul play, we're going to do that. We're going to talk about foul play. We're going to talk about uh, crooked letters. We're going to talk about the NCAA and all of that. Any questions, any comments, um, if you want to screen grab me in a funny face, by all means, do it. Um, Most of my coworkers are. Um, So send all that our way. And then the second episode is going to be um, all things Athlon Magazine because we're going to have Mitch Light. Um, the editor in chief, I guess that's his title. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. He pays us money to do freelance work and our bosses let us do that freelance work so we can get, uh, in actual print once in a while, not just this fake blog stuff that we do. Um, so we, uh, Bill and I are in various editions 
of Athlon. Did you get your copies yet? Yes. Yeah, I did. I got I got three the other day. Um, I think I know Mitch is listening right now. Um, I got the here. They're by my desk. Hang on one second. Mitch thinks he's funny. Is my point because Mitch sent me the National College Football um, edition. For some reason, I got the Pac-12 cover, and I'm fine with that. Maybe it's because he listens to the show and he knows that I'm a contrarian about the Pac-12. So you got your Cameron Smith, your Jake Browning, and your Khalil Tate on the cover. That's fine. Okay. I wrote about a little bit about Willie Taggart, so I got the ACC cover. And that is um, – I don't know how many – we'll have to ask him, but it's um, the wide receiver from Miami, Amon Richards, right? Sure. And then, of course, which I don't even think I wrote anything for the SEC edition this year. He sent me the SEC edition with Ole Miss on the cover because Mitch, <laughs> Mitch likes to be a dick. Um, so we're going to do that. We're going to break down what we did in the magazine. We're going to talk about the magazine. Is Phil Steele ready yet, or is that later this summer? Uh, he <laughs> he posted a tweet. Of do you see him tweeting all the time where he's like, I just got to talk to San Jose State's head coach. Well, like thanks he's to Matt Wells like for me an and a half. Yeah. You bag well, of ass. I work for a blog. I do that all the time. Quit. For, uh, what is that about? Hey, I will I not like have you. Phil's attitude is starting to really piss me off. Yeah, yeah, everything pisses you off. Don't, don't, don't besmirch the good besmirch. Don't besmirch the good name of Phil Steele, the person who inspired many of the ideas that I think I do better than him now. But I still. I was about know, was to say, how are you? I was like, what are you doing? You're putting over Phil Steele. You bury him. Literally. But I, but I was, but he came first and I was inspired by him. Therefore, how do you respectfully look at one of your elders and say, Oh, I was really inspired to, to do what you do better than you while you're still doing it. <laughs> Damn, Bill. God, you are cold as hell. Sometimes uh, I'll ask your, I, your elders. It's funny to watch. Look, I love Phil Steele. It used to be a religious holiday when I got the issue, but that was also in a time before you were writing previews. Before before Meyerberg and USA Today was writing previews, but kind of before like the internet existed, but it was still just assy, right? Literally, um, I don't dislike the film. I still buy it. I still buy it every year. <laughs> Remember, we have we've had conversations on this podcast. As much as I like to get rid of Detris in my office, I still have those stupid magazines packed up. I still have them. Yeah. Also, I'm going to – somebody remind me to tweet this out. There is one year of Phil Steele, Bill, where they printed the spine backwards. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I don't know if that was a year or if it's just if it randomly gets screwed up and you could at any moment get one or if it was just all of them that happened. That, that I don't know, but it, it, it drives me nuts, man. It drives me absolutely nuts because when I, a long time ago, a lifetime ago, I worked at Maxim magazine. And if you put all the spines of Maxim magazine together, you got surprise, a scantily clad woman. What? Um, and people would freak out if the printing on the spines did not align because in their various frat houses across this great land, they were putting each year of Maxim magazine together on a spine, you know, so to show the girl, I just want the damn thing to, to not look to look raucous, you know? I just it bothers me. Phil, if you're listening, and I know you are, <laughs> I don't appreciate what you did. Okay. And I got I got me a new blogs man who does better previews than you any day. I'll still buy your magazine. I'll yeah, still buy your magazine. That'll show him. 
Uh, I used to write in the little boxes, scores, finals, and, really? and spread. I, yeah, because it was a way for me as a non-numbers person, like, whoa, to keep up with that crap when I was a freelancer. I also used to do every every radio hit I got offered in, like, you name it. Market 354 AM stations, like 6 AM on a Sunday, my ass was doing it. And that's because that because I was hustling. I believe that's what the youth call grinding. So I would make sure I'd have that fill open like a like a well thumbed phone book, um, so I could reference things because I thought knowing the scores to games is what was going to help my career. And little that I know, I had to do was spend five years writing about cheating a holes in Mississippi. <sighs> that's uh, what bought but, me a yacht. Right when I first started. Um... I guess it was probably about when I started writing uh, a couple times a week for football outsiders. And really it's kind of an eye opening thing when you're used to writing about a team and now you're writing about all teams and having to interact with their fans who will call you out when you don't know something. Um, I I was quickly trying to kind of immerse myself in, in more of the national writing. Uh, And one of the first things I did, I'd been collecting Phil Steele's for about six, seven years by that point, I guess. Um, but I, I got on his website and I back ordered every freaking magazine from like 94 through whenever I started and boom, just like that. I had depth charts for basically every team for the last, like at that point, like 12, 13, 14 years, uh, I was an mm-hmm. incredible resource. Um, and I, I don't think I've bought them every year over these last few, I think I missed one or two, but I still like if I'm at an airport, um, and I see it and I'm like, well, uh, it might, or, or at a Barnes and Noble, um, inevitably buying like freaking 13 ki- uh, books for the kid. And mm-hmm. I pass it. I'll go, you know what? Yeah, I'm doing it. And I'll grab it and I'll, I'll add it to the stack. We should be talking about Athlon cause they paid us. <laughs> That's kind of, who knew that we could get sidechecked? Well, the, the thing with Athlon is they send them to me for free. So I just don't, you know, if, I mean, Athlon's a superior publication because they deem it necessary to not only one compensate bill myself, but really beg us for our, for our unique expertise in the world of college football. All I did actually write a really, I'm not being a dick, but I wrote, I think a pretty funny story about all of the passes that army completed last year. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, (laughs) I also like that Mitch was Mitch who has to fashion a magazine that appeals to every fan, right? So you got to play the odds in that one. So you got to, you got to bone up on your Ohio States and your, you got to do the opposite of every PAPN podcast you've ever heard, right? You got to talk about the same 12 teams as much as possible with a liberal sprinkling of Notre Dame across everything. And you have to keep the cheerleaders uh, pictures section in there because if you don't, uh, the 70 year olds will come out after you with torches. And they do not want to mess with that. So they keep the cheerleader pictures in there too. That is not, not bizarre at all. Um, okay. Uh, so a couple house ads before we move on. Uh, that's a robot, Bill Connolly. You can find him at SBN underscore Bill C. He is the author of two books. You can find them both on Amazon right now. Um, are we saying where you went last week or no? Uh, yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of was just, it, well, first of all, if you follow my Instagram account, uh, you know where I went. So I wasn't Your exactly Instagram's public. Yet. Yeah. And for, and like 300 people have, have figured that out. Um, Mm-mm. but yes, if you go to my Instagram, uh, 
SBN underscore Bill C there. You will see that I was, let's see, let me pull up some pictures from there. Uh, my, first, Insta- uh, my Instagram is not public. Don't first I tweeted from, or I, 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 I Insta, I, I grammed from the commissary in Memphis, the Germantown commissary in Memphis. Oh, wait, yeah. we're not going, wait, are we going through all those damn food photos? I, I will, I will make it quick. Then my next one was oh, from God. a, was from a Starkville cookout. Where's my Nintendo switch? Then New Orleans, 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 uh, Itabina, uh, Oxford, Mississippi. Basically, I swooped into all the places you're not allowed to go anymore. Uh, And then we spent a day in Memphis. So that was um, the work portion of that was Starkville. uh, And I they were very gracious. Joe Moorhead, I've talked to before. I got to I'm writing a piece about him now. Got to sit down with him for a while. Told everybody Godfrey said hi. They all appreciated that. And look, okay, this is not really where we need to go with this, but you were. We can talk about it. That's fine. You were incredibly fair. I, I was watching this partially because of, you know, my own interests. I was watching it a little scared of what was going to be written or said about Mississippi State because, you know, I'm writing about Mississippi State currently. It was extremely fair. And I like I, it really that's that's all you can really hope for in that regard. You were by far the hardest on in order a NCAA and B. I'm thinking Hugh Freeze. And everybody else said, well, after that was just kind of, it was collateral after that. And, and so um, it, it was an extremely fair piece. But anyway, yes, I swooped in after you, went to Starkville, uh, visited Oxford of my own volition, went to Memphis and New Orleans for a few days uh, and had a good old time. Um, that was a long-winded way for me to make the transition. So you have two books for sale. Oh, and I have something <laughs> to hawk. I you have a TV in- show. God, my phone's exploding. Um, I have a television show I have to promote and the way to access this television show, hold on to your butts, kids. Um, so foul play paid in Mississippi is four roughly 30 minute episodes. It is on go 90. If you've never heard of go 90, I hadn't heard of it until they hired me either. So here's what you do. Um, in fact, you know what, here's what you're going to do. Cause if you listen to this damn podcast for free, I need you to do something for me. And here's what I, oh, I already said this. We did this. We did like two weeks. Ago. I said, you're going to have yeah. to download Everybody an app. Everybody already has. You're going to download this has. damn app right now. Okay. You're going to go to the app store. I don't care if it's on a tablet or phone. No, it's going to be on both. I want you to download it on every damn device you have that downloads apps, Android or iOS. All right. It's on both. You go to go 90, you download. There's no barrier to entry past that, as far as I know. I don't remember having to sign up for an account when I did it six months ago. It's just on I your damn phone. I think you have to phone. log in. They give you the option of, of of moving forward without registering, or you can use your like your Google or your Facebook or whatever. All right. Well, you so so you uh, you miscreants. You're gonna do that, okay? You're gonna go through. I don't care if you log in or make an account. I mean, probably Verizon wants you to, but whatever. Then you're gonna watch the episodes because I told you to. Um, the other way to access it is just basically from any regular, um, old ass computer. Remember those, um, you can just go to go 90, just search go 90 and then you can go to go 90s website. Um, for those of you like my family and my in-laws and anyone I know over 55, um, you can watch it on a television. Yes. Okay. The app is not available directly in the in like the apple or android store um or even like chromecast or anything like that well, what you have chromecast you can use it 
Well, so, so or not, it's not the Android store. I'm sorry. So, so you can use AirPlay on Apple, and you can use Chromecast. If you if you normally use those methods of streaming, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. If not, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, I found out the other day my parents, and I was shocked, use AirPlay to get Amazon Prime shows to really? stream on their Apple TV. Because Apple and Amazon are competitors, and there is no native Prime app on an Apple TV. Got all that? Interesting. I this, this the only streaming devices I use anymore is that I have a Sony smart television downstairs in my house with everything that's already on. it's preloaded in in the actual like user interface. They do software updates on it. So if it's on there, it's on there. It's not, it's not. I can't just get go 90. So there's I literally no way to watch my own show on my television in my living room, but whatever. Um, the second way is that I, you can you can use the streaming device. I, I wonder if I can do it with a gaming system. People asked me about that yesterday. I'll fiddle around with the PS4. Um, I'm not sure. I doubt that if you're a Switch user that it's going to be on there because they don't even have like Netflix. Um, those are all the ways to watch it. I want proof that you watched it. All right? Daddy's not going to be just swimming in limos and cocaine forever if you don't watch his television show. So get your lazy asses who do nothing but consume free podcast content every week and then complain when we're a day late. Go watch this television show, and I want proof. I want screen grabs of every episode. All right? I want you to go to your grandmother's house, and I want you to stream it at her house too, okay, on her devices. I guarantee you all of you have a parent or loved one with a phone they don't really use that much. Just put the damn Go90 app on their phone. Do it. I'm going to get a call from Verizon. It's probably not going to be good. Uh, The one thing I will say for those using Chromecast, uh, as I did yesterday, uh, you will have to turn that crap way up. Like uh, You mean the volume? yeah, that was my one complaint. So we we use Chromecast. Like normally on our TV, the volume is like a 12. Using Chromecast for whatever, YouTube or whatever, it ends up being like 20 or 22. I had to turn it up to like 59 to get like a normal volume, which you want to talk about disorienting. When you turn that stu- that that uh, app off and you go back to regular TV at volume 59, uh, if you didn't have the adrenaline pumping at the end of the show, and of course you do, you will, uh, you're going to have the adrenaline pumping right after when, when suddenly, you know, Guy Fieri or whoever is yelling at you. You're literally the last person in the world, short of my wife, that I would expect to worry about not being able to hear my voice enough. Well, I mean, you know, it, Nate's voice is on there. Bagman X's voice is on there. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it doesn't have to be your voice that I wanted to hear. Bagman's I hear voice all the time. Bagman's plural. Um, all right, Bill. Uh, that's how you watch it. That's how you buy Bill's books. That's all, all that stuff. All right. Now let's get to that sweet, sweet, totally free. You owe me podcast and gold. What are we going to do? I have no idea. I've been up to my ass in legal checks and fact checks and review and top reads from editors and da 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 Cause I wrote an 11,000 word story that we're not even going to talk about on this episode. If you ask me what's going on in college football, I know a bunch of people were down in Destin because I had to be on the phone with a bunch of them for this fact check palooza. But I didn't really follow what happened at the league meetings in Destin. I think it's the most boring time of year. I talked to a couple of people who were down there and I said, what'd you do? And they said it was worse than ever, except at least I got to see some people I hadn't seen in a couple months. And we put plans in motion to do something later this summer. And I was like, (laughs) good. That's a good job. That's good journalism. And uh, everything else was like people hollering about transfer rules and everyone's, you know, 
there's it seems there's, there's a fresh wave of Nick Saban is the Antichrist because he won't let a kid transfer to Tennessee. That's the gist of that. Right. Um, yeah, and it's not even he's he's not wrong by the way. He, when he when he says, "Why are you yelling at me?" It's the SEC's rule. He's not wrong. It is the SEC's rule. It's a dumb rule eh. that the SEC should change. Yes, he's right. Not, yes, he's uh, right. But he also has, has shown on numerous occasions to be the most influential uh, outside sure. party on league legislate outside party. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's he's a very strong hand in the room, and if he wanted to change it, he would. So whatever. I th- I, I I think he's already you know he's tired of of campaigning for stuff because he wants nine conference games and nobody's listening to him. So I think you know he's going to be huffy no matter what. But anyway, yes. Nixon, Why do the, you think the, he the wants news, that? The big news from yesterday is that he uh, used another poop uh, another poop metaphor. Yes. Uh, and, Shout and, out to Cecil uh, Cecil Lerdo in Tuscaloosa. Um, I think sometimes show listener very very good uh, very good question he asked. Um, why do you think? Here. Why do you think he's stumping for the nine games so hard? Because he's not worried about losing. Okay, yeah, he's yeah, not yeah, worried yeah, about yeah, getting to six and six. He isn't jiving with the overall issue that's going on, where Greg Byrne, his athletic director, is out talking very publicly about how they need to improve the user quality of the season ticket experience, and then therefore the the you know because they kind of rejiggered their often uh, offense, their out of conference schedule. And you've now got one and ones with Notre Dame and Texas. Is that yeah? Notre Dame and Texas. Um, yeah. They they seem to be moving away from and and really Alabama was the school that really helped push the neutral side season kickoff games. They've got another one this year. They've got another one next year. Next year they're playing yeah, Duke. Yeah, USC again. We we always wanted to see a, a, a sequel to that fifty two to six game from from last year. No, they, 2016. They've got Duke. No, but then they have USC after that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. In Arlington again. Yeah. Um, and Louisville this year, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I'm glad they're moving in the opposite direction. Um, that comes as no shock to anyone who's a regular listener of the show. We, um, I think we really enjoy what we get on Labor Day weekend. Um, I don't think any of those games are impactful down the stretch and I don't think that they really are as important as we might make them out to be in, in like this month, like this time of year right now where we have nothing to talk about. However, I do think we'd be worse for it. It's weird. You know, it's dirty, dirty bedfellows because, you know, nobody wants the NFL to get that much more involved in college football. Nobody wants those outside corporations to get that much more involved in college football. But that's exactly what it takes to get two teams to come to some random ass city. And I'm looking at you, Charlotte hosting Tennessee and West Virginia or Houston hosting Texas Tech and Ole Miss. Like, this is what we want, apparently. So tickets are $250 in the lower bowl. Um, I'm guessing, but I'm probably not wrong. You want to check StubHub and find out if I'm wrong? <laughs> Go for it. Uh, I'm not, but you can. Um, here, watch this segue. So uh, speaking of nine conference games versus eight, you know, my theory on this, I've shared it, I, I have to assume many times here, uh, is that we nobody should be playing nine conference games. We should move to pods so uh, to where you can play eight conference games and still play everybody in your conference pretty quickly and open up different creative ways that to end up with better non-conference scheduling, whether that's having a, at this point, I think I've just gone full on scheduling czar, like have somebody name the schedules for everybody mm-hmm. um, and go that route. But even in, even without that, like I, I like the connectivity that non-conference games produce. And if everybody goes to nine, then it's going to, you know, my stats are going to stink uh, to, you know, to some degree anyway. But 
we are in basketball, at least, seeing some experimentation that in theory could lead to football. I think the most PAPN schedule or PAPN topic that came out last week while we were off, while I was eating at Kashan Butcher um, and cookout, it was Conference USA. Did you did you see Conference USA while you... The uh, basketball uh, thing? Yes. It was very interesting. So this was... Uh, I. It's it's awesome, and I I don't want to say it's pointless because it's not pointless. But um, the 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 gist here is that Conference USA is tired of it getting bad seeds in the NCAA tournament, or only getting one team in the NCAA tournament, um, and they want to figure out a way to fix that. And they're 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 coming up with a really unique thing here. So they've got fourteen teams. Um, they're going to play eighteen games. But basically what you're going to do is you're going to have 13 or 14 games marked off on your schedule, scheduled as normal, and then four placeholders at the end of the year. You're going to play your what they call your travel partner. I guess they play a home and home against one uh, you know, permanent rival, basically. And then they play the other thir- uh, 13 teams once. I think I got this right. Um, yeah, no, yeah, you play everybody once. You're all by yourself on this one. Yeah. Okay. So you play everybody once you play your travel partner twice and that's 14 games at the end of those 14 games. Uh, they're going to seed teams. If you finish in the top five, this is uh, from Marshall basketball coach, D- Dan, Dan, Tony. Uh, we're going to play 13 games in your travel partner twice, which would be Western Kentucky for us. Then they are going to seed the schools. If you finish in the top five, number one through number five, we'll play each other for the next four games. That's how you get to 18 games. Uh, so then presumably like number six through 10 will play uh, each other. And I'm not sure how the bottom of that works, how you get to 18 games if you're at the bottom, but either way, that way, whoever the best teams in your conference are, you play them potentially two to three times and your schedule, your, your strength of schedule improves. Uh, maybe your, in theory, your RPI improves. Maybe you get more quality wins, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you, you, you wring whatever you can out of your conference USA schedule. That's it's cool. Like I I still, uh, we always say hiring solves everything. Like uh, the the best way for the comp for conference USA to end up with better seeds and better and more teams in the tournament is to have better teams. But this at least maximizes what you can get. You're at least playing all of the good teams twice. If if you're on the tournament bubble and that's really all you can ask for. So it's kind of cool. Matt Brown earlier this week wrote a piece, uh, let's see on Monday, uh, about how this could be applied to football. Um, God bless Matt Brown. He is by all means a, uh, a kindred spirit uh, here at SBN. So here's what he wrote about, uh, could this work for football? If you're a power league like the Big Ten or SEC, you probably don't want this. Within the playoffs, so, with, with the playoffs so small, you're probably better off trying to limit your losses for your champ, yeah. uh, which and, it goes and back the to strength, eight, the strength eight, strength already exists, so you don't really need to do it. Yeah. Um, now, so is he da, da, da. If the AAC if you're, or the CUSA. Right. He, 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 what he writes, writes is, but if you're the Sun Belt or CUSA, the calculus is a little different. Sure, we're looking at a smaller sample size, but we have data to suggest that the selection committee doesn't put much stock in gaudy undefeated records from smaller leagues if they don't respect strength of schedule. Undefeated Marshall couldn't even crack the rankings for weeks back in 2014, and undefeated UCF was getting ranked behind multi-loss programs like Mississippi State. Hey, Mississippi State, we keep coming back to you. One way the league could help is 
put in the thumb on those scheduling scales to give your best teams and more opportunities to play good teams. For example, in 2018, defending CUSA football champ FAU uh, will skip Southern Miss and UAB, two of the stronger programs in the league. Wouldn't everybody be better off if the fight in Kiffins played Southern Miss instead of Charlotte in late November? Wouldn't Maction be more meaningful if preseason division favorites Ohio and Toledo played each other in the regular season? What if we knew that Boise State was always going to face the best team from the West Division, uh, perhaps instead of Nevada or New Mexico? There's at least one way to do it in football. Have each team play all but one of its divisional games in a row, uh, then use division standings to determine cross-divisional games. Um, I mean, it's it's cool. It's a cool idea here. And then, you know, he goes further. He, he mentioned my bracket buster thing as well, I think. Um, and pod systems and all that. Like, I, there, are, there are lots of, of things. I, I appreciate that Conference USA is trying, basically. It's not going to matter if you don't have good enough teams, but they're trying um, and hopefully it works out well for them so it doesn't scare other people out of trying themselves. So I would, if I had to apply this immediately with a hope of success, I would say you go directly to the Mountain West, Bill. Because how many years have you and I talked about, we do the Boise thing, like every year we do the Boise check, right? We just did it because we just did Mountain West. Right. And the Boise check is always like, Okay, uh, let's see. They got like Michigan State and Wazoo. Okay, so like maybe if Michigan State has like 10 wins and Wazoo has like nine, and then it's like, oh, damn, they don't even get they're missing one of the three pretty good teams in the Mountain West. Right. That's where I think in football it would apply the best immediately because you're seeing like, I don't even want to create the cul de sac theory in the Mountain West yet. I don't think they're there. The ACC was a completely different beast. But we know that you have the the actual, pardon the pun, blueprint for what it takes to be a G5 upstart and a, and a national title contender conversation haver in Boise State, right? We've established this over the better part of 15 years. Man, if they could just get a, sh- a fair shake, a better shake on strength of schedule in a fa- in, in like with a faster turnaround, that could really mm-hmm. help. That could really help if they – help me help me here like there was i think it was two years ago they ended up getting just the dregs of because because there's their divisions in the in the mountain west there was a rotation issue where they weren't getting the better teams from the other side of the the division is this right yeah if we can if we can look at the mountain west and say one to hell with divisions i mean you're talking about like it's dumb (laughs) enough in the southeastern conference in the big 10 why the f do you have divisions um Going and round robbing them or whatever, but just looking. At, here's the thing: Would you do this in like when? I guess you couldn't do it at the way basketball is saying, like, "Oh, we're going to play these games and then we're going to pause and then we're going to." You couldn't do that, but I do think there's a means by which you can look. I guess it would have to be before Labor Day, and say we need Boise State to play San Diego State in right. the end season. We need to watch. We need to watch. Uh, we need to have Boise State play like Wyoming, Colorado State, and and San Diego State. Were those the four best teams last year? Uh, sure. something like that. Like, from the opposite, it was San Diego State and Fresno from the Fresno, from the division. Sorry, no, no, it was Fresno. That's I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and Fresno, but so so then the, all right, we got Fresno, right, Bill? We didn't know Fresno was going to be that good, right? Um, this is man, this is our bread and butter. Mountain West yeah, is like. Right. Mountain West is like our side piece next to our AAC girlfriend. Sorry, that was totally (laughs) gender insensitive. Um, Life partner, the fair, I don't know. Let's leave it alone. Um, Lover. 
I mean, I don't think we could have predicted Fresno was going to be as good as they were. Nope. So maybe this throws a wrench in things. Maybe it's just not possible with football. Oh, here's, I think you can expand it a little bit. Now this, this, this goes to my, um, bracket buster idea, which was part of the commission thing from last year, where basically you, we, we, everybody sets aside a weekend in like early November where like two or three weeks out, we look at the rankings, we look at the teams and who's good and we pair them up. That's the general idea. Even if you don't do that for everybody, why couldn't you do that for the G five as a whole? Now, since you're jockeying for a major bowl slot, you know, if, if UCF is undefeated there, they're not going to want to play Boise State, um, you know, because they have the inside track for that top spot anyway. Although that's a bad example because UCF probably could have used a win over Boise State last year. Uh, you know what? Never mind. They didn't get credit for beating Memphis twice. The committee didn't give a crap about that, so they wouldn't have given a crap about Boise either. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. You just sent it on another tangent. <clears throat> anyway. You just broke through the um, set. No. Oh, wait. It's Inception. You just, inst- you just, you got us. Oh man, Bill, you put us so, in a ditch anyway, inside of before- a ditch. No, we have to talk about this. Would it even <laughs> matter? Probably not. No, no. Those assholes uh, and, and on the selection is- committee, Bill, they're not, <laughs> they don't care. They're not going to look at Boise this and say, oh, you got San Diego State instead of Hawaii. They're not going to care. They hate them either way. This is obviously better for basketball uh, than football because there are more teams that get into the tournament and more more conference games to mess with. But but generally speaking, that, so yes, the bracket buster thing probably works better for everybody because UCF would have gotten to play like an Auburn or somebody in early November to kind of justify their status or whatever. Um, but no, yeah, for football, it's not going to matter as much, but you can still do get creative. That doesn't mean you shouldn't get creative. That doesn't mean the Mountain West shouldn't invite us to their, uh, next meeting of athletic directors or whatever. So we can sell them on pod on pods and flexible scheduling. They should do that. You should absolutely do that. Especially if the meeting is in San Diego or Vegas or, or Boise for that matter. Um, or okay, fine. Or Laramie, but, um, Albuquerque's nice too. No, look, I, I, I bet Logan's say it, and nice. I'm, we're going to, we're going to end up being like the official podcast of UNLV in the most back ass word way possible, but the back 12 needs to put their title game in Vegas. Okay. <laughs> we've, we've established that every, like, I mean, I think Staples and I were retweeting off of each other being like easiest thing in the world, literally easiest move in the world. Got to do it. Santa Clara's bag of ass. Don't do it. Like, I'm sorry, that place sucks. And as an Atlanta Braves fan, let me just tell you how much it pisses me off when people are constantly making suburb jokes two years later on us. If you know anything about the Bay Area, you know how MFing far away that stadium is from anything that is legally San Francisco. Anyway, the Pac-12 needs to move their title (laughs) game to the new Raider Stadium in Vegas. The night before, they need to have the, the conference championship game for the Mountain West. Hell yeah. Just piggyback each other make it a thing don't be dicks like this is this goes back to my anger about when when these these freaking g5 programs with all these bizarre like super local political grudges won't do what's right i'm looking at you louisiana monroe and law tech just do it this is why we need a scheduling czar to just set all this up for them even if they don't want to my reign will be bloody and my rise will be swift when I take over, we won't have to have these arguments. Period. It's a little more ominous than I wanted it to be, Bill. <laughs> uh, where the hell are we on the preview? 
Uh, USC just went up. So, we, so, you know, again, topical. Nice segue here because we are talking about the Pac-12. Hey! Um, yeah, USC went up. Washington is tomorrow. I assume Pac-12 power rankings will go out on Monday. And then guess what? It's Kansas preview time. Where's the air horn? Got to come up with my witty title for this one. Wait, that was a terrible. Wait, hang on. Did I forget how to do the air horn? I just get it on. It's more of a sound. Are we doing like the reggaeton on? Air horn. Sure. I, uh, you know, whatever you got uh, on you. I don't think I have that little app on my phone, but my app sucked anyway. Better? One more time? <laughs> Maybe one more. Hey, Bill, guess what? It's Kansas preview time. I made a TV show. You're going to Pensacola. In, haven't slept in three months. Okay, stop. <sighs> um, I didn't get any crap the last time we had our podcast and we dogged out everyone who complained about the Pac-12. Nor did I get any kudos from the Pac-12. You know what pisses me off? I'm here to stooge, right? Because all, all media members are whores of one kind or another. I don't even have a mug from the, Ath- the American Athletic Conference. Chuck Sullivan, where are you at? It means you're not listening. And frankly, look... I don't want to drive people to tweet at other individuals, but I'm just saying for the amount of attention we give the American athletic (laughs) conference. And then for the amount of times just to make people from the Midwest and South mad, because I like to do that. How many times have I played contrarian talking about the PAC 12? Actually, you know what? The PAC 12 one year at media days gave me the best thing in the world. If you're traveling, if you ever travel with a computer, you know what you need? You need those USB cords, and then they have the um, the holders. You know what I'm talking about? Those little like rubber things. It's very, right. They were great. Handed those out at media days one year. All the other media day stuff. I did a Snapchat story back when people did Snapchat for SB Nation about all the crap I got in three weeks of going to media days. And the only thing I kept were the, were the little USB cord holders that the Pac-12 gave me. But I'm just saying. Maybe yeah, you just give plus, it- you need – to this is a, a time of soul searching for Stephen Godfrey because you know the last five years were dedicated to the Bagman album, and now he's looking for a new sound. He's looking for a new inspiration. So now is the time to get his attention. If I was Larry Scott, after all the shit I took in the off season, I would I would come up there, dog everybody out, talk about the future of basically a ratings free, cable free like post cable environment. And then I would say, we're dropping everything right now. We just signed a contract with Apple or Google or whatever. And then I would hand out complimentary PAC 12 weed grinders, literally weed grinders. That's the or one hitters. Maybe it's a grinder and a one hitter combo. That's what I would do. This is why I don't have these kind of jobs. Because I would have burned that place to the ground. Larry's been way too nice. We way did, by nice. the way, get a lot of feedback, not from the Pac-12 offices, but from uh, other fans. Uh, and I think some other writers, too, just pointed out, like, uh, you know, our, our ability to simply point out that the Pac-12 probably isn't going to die tomorrow. Um, yeah, shout out to uh, Rule of Tree, Stanford blog at SB Nation. Um, I'm friendly with them, and there's another Pac-12 blog I can't think of. Um, there's one. Uh, uh, the Cal blog's good too. Golden blogs, addicted to quack yeah. is good. Um, um, 
So what, what are we that, doing in the Pac-12? Who's going to win Pac-12? that? Who's going to win that? They're all Pac-12 because someone told me recently that Stanford's good at football again. Apparently, but um, I, I did a serious XM radio thing yesterday uh, with Ryan Leaf and his partner. Um, uh, 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 Don't worry about name? it. It's serious. It's fine. I, 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 I got to get this right for my own sake. Uh, Guy Haberman. Ryan Leaf and Guy Haberman. Uh, one, the, the one thing, like we were just talking about like UCLA, what's the timetable for for Chip and, um, you know, things of that nature. But the one thing I, I, I realized that I might be a little contrarian on right now is that I am higher than most people on Oregon. Because the question was basically like, okay, so we assume Washington and Stanford are one, two in the Pac-12 North. Who's three? Is it Oregon? Is it Cal? Is it da-da-da-da-da? And I, I got to jump. And I love being able to, to make the contrarian kind of takes without feeling like I'm forcing it uh, to some degree. I was able to basically say it's not Oregon versus Cal for three. It's Oregon versus Stanford for two in my book. Uh, Stanford's defense was strangely unimpressive last year, much it regressed a lot more than I anticipated it uh, uh, regressing. USC's did too, for that matter. Washington was basically the team with a good defense in the Pac-12 last year, uh, aside from those two weeks from Arizona State. But I, I, I think people are underestimating how good Oregon was when Justin Herbert, and we talked about this two weeks ago, but Oregon was very good when Justin Herbert was healthy, uh, ignoring the bowl game, which a lot of, I got yelled at by Washington fans. Didn't you watch the bowl where they lost to stinky old Boise? How can you say they were good? Well, Boise was good and it was a freaking bowl game. If, that, coaching if staff had been, that coaching staff had worked on that game plan. I'm not telling you this cause I know yet, but like I guarantee you if I, I'll ask Cristobal cause we're doing an Oregon thing this summer. I bet you they spent the bare minimum of time doing install. They lost their head coach. They lost multiple assistants, and they were trying to salvage a recruiting class. Like, let's be honest, man. They didn't give a shit about that bowl game. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, By the way, we've got 50 million awesome Ask PAPN questions. We haven't answered a single one of them. We're 45 minutes in. I Um, I got radio hits for the TV show coming up, too, so we got to go. You got a thought to finish? But, Let's finish it. So that's here's the thought. My thought to finish. Washington is easily, in my eyes, the team to beat in the conference as a whole. There's a scramble for Oregon, Stanford, USC, and somebody else from the South being in that kind of that second tier or the teams that could uh, topple Washington. I'm, I think that other team in the South, it's it's either Utah, Arizona, or UCLA. Um, I could be talked into any of those. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting in that regard. I think Washington is easily the most proven team starting out here, but there you can talk yourself into a lot of those other teams. Um, but the conference as a whole, I'm not sure it's going to be a whole hell of a lot better than last year, just because Oregon state's still going to probably not improve yet. Colorado's might, it might or might not Washington state's probably going to get worse based on all the off the field stuff. Um, it's going to be a weird year, but it's going to be an intriguing year. There are some storylines there. The end. Bill. A word from the sponsor. We have a sponsor this week. It's for hymns again. Just for hymns. It's not called for hymns again. Uh, Bill, did you know the uh, 66% of those classified male in our country lose their hair by age 35? And when you start to notice, it's too late. I like this. It's like a movie trailer. Except there's no monster or Thanos. It's just male pattern baldness. Um, If you have a bald spot, if you have the receding hairline, if you have the... um, if you have the crowning, 
Those are all solutions that 4 wants to help you take care of. Um, they also do skincare and sexual wellness. And let me get real very much in the baritone there to imply the sexual Congress part of sexual wellness. Um, but thanks to science, baldness can be optional. 4 is a service basically that connects you with a real doctor and uses real medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. Um, so basically there's generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions because that also helps the old pocketbook if you're trying to save your trying to save the old hair on your skull. Uh, these are not snake oil. These are not you know, herbal remedies or anything like that. These are prescription solutions backed by science. There's no waiting room. There's anonymity. You don't have to go out in public to solve this problem. Uh, you answer a few quick questions, and then that's basically it. Now, if you are listening to the podcast Ain't Played Nobody and you would like to take this uh, this four hymns up on their offer, you can get a trial month for hymns for just $5. You can get $5 today while supplies last. Go to the website forhims.com again that's forhims.com um this would normally cost hundreds of dollars if you go through the traditional medical route of seeing your doctor or going to a regular pharmacy uh one more time forhims.com and the special offer for the five dollars is forhims.com slash nobody as in podcast name play nobody so forhims.com slash nobody Boom, transition time, Patrick Peterson, hashtag SPAPN. Does Kyle Whittingham's insane 11-1 bowl record say more about him as a coach or the opponents Utah has been given in bowls? I would like to say both, Bill. He's very consistent about keeping his coaching staffs. Um, they're very consistent in general as a program. I know it's kind of boring in a Wisconsin type of way. Sorry, Badgers. Um, but I do think they're, they're usually can uh stable on the coaching side when it comes into bowl season. And they're almost always trying to prove something, especially when they were a Mountain West team. Um, they, they focused on those bowl games the way that we just talked about the Oregon Boise state situation being the opposite. Um, yeah, I think so, he's a good coach. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, four, he takes over for urban Meyer. They did, they destroy a pretty mediocre Pittsburgh in the Fiesta bowl. They had a lot to prove in that game. I don't, I think he was the interim. I think that counts towards his bowl record. I, I think Meyer had left by then the next year. They're seven and they're six and five. They go in and they womp Georgia tech in the Emerald bowl. Georgia tech was seven and four. Uh, the next year they beat uh, Tulsa by 12 in the armed forces bowl. They beat Navy by three in the poinsettia. They beat Alabama. That was, you know, semi-impressive. Uh, let's see. They beat eight and four Cal in the poinsettia bowl. They beat, they, they get thumped by like the best Boise state team ever in 2010. Uh, they eke by Georgia tech in the sun bowl. They destroy utterly destroy Colorado state in the Royal purple bowl in Las Vegas. If you remember, that's the official name or was, uh, they beat BYU in 2015 in the, in the Royal purple bowl. They eke by a pretty mediocre Indiana in 2016. Uh, and then they beat a, uh, a, a Greerless West Virginia last year in the heart of Dallas. So yes, combination, they have risen to the occasion when they had a really good opponent to play or a, a name opponent to play, I should say. Uh, so they do that, that, that gets to the point to prove thing. Uh, they've also played a lot of pretty mediocre seven and four power conference teams that they were just better than. Um, so we'll say part inspiration and good coaching in part, they were better than the teams they were playing. Bill Don Corneo asks, do Louisville fans have the right to be disappointed and frustrated with Petrino 2.0? Bill, I'm going to ask you a question on top of that to answer Don's question. What's the difference between Bobby Petrino 1.0 at Louisville and Bobby Petrino 2.0 in Louisville? It's a pretty simple answer. Uh, uh, yeah, ACC would be the... Uh, Correct. Yeah. I, you can be... 
you can be disappointed. Maybe you wanted a little more, but you still, in the last two years of alone, you have won 17 games or no, in four years with Petrino, you've won 34 games. Um, and you know, as a power conference team before that, they were in the AAC when they went 12 and one with Charlie strong, they were in the AAC when they went 11 and two with Charlie strong, they were in the crumbling big East. Um, they've won 34 games. They've established themselves as a steady program. They won a freaking Heisman. I struggle to use the word disappointed, but you can certainly, I think there is a certain aspect of, of just feeling like you missed an opportunity. Uh, because you weren't able to, let's see, like last year, they, they beat Florida state, but they get destroyed by Clemson a year and they lose to wake forest year before that. Uh, they destroy Florida state, but they can't, you know, they come up like a foot and a half short against Clemson. Hmm. Like, so they they have these huge opportunities. They weren't quite able. You know what this sounds like? sounds like when Bobby Petrino was the head coach at Arkansas. Isn't that crazy? I guess, but that they, they still had better records in a tougher conference. I will say that in, in, in defense of Arkansas, which those four words are not something I say just a ton. Um, Dude, I love Arkansas right now. Yeah. I'm sure. all about yeah. that. Chad Morris. I'm all about that. I'm all about those fans. It's going to be the calmest they've been. I still don't understand why, like they're going to play two home games in Fayetteville, whatever. Um, uh, where do I want to go next and try and keep you doing this fast, which is really hard. Like I mean, it's like making a grandparent run a race with you. Um, all right, here's a fast. Yeah, one. yeah I'm, the, I'm the one who has been distractible today. <laughs> Cyrus Smith. Why didn't folks like that Oregon hired Mario Cristobal? Would people think differently of Oregon entering this year and beyond if they promoted Levitt instead? No, Cyrus. They would have <laughs> complained about that too. Although I like I like Levitt. Um, I think they're I going think to complain. They're going to complain because they lost a yeah. coach that they got really excited about and who came in and got them really excited. And he left after one year. I don't think Mario Cristobal could have done anything. And I don't think anyone else could have either except Chip Kelly. Yeah. No, I mean, that, plus, I mean, if you're, if you're an Oregon fan, you remember being in the national title game and thumping Florida state that not that long ago. So you're treating Taggart leaving as like a horizontal move and you're, you're going to feel a little, a little extra betrayed by that. But I think, yeah, you know, it, it didn't necessarily have the massive gravitas the hire didn't as a whole. And, you know, they turned around and lost to Boise State, which is going to be used against him until he has a chance to play another game, which is incredibly ridiculous and unfair. But, you know, our eyes saw the game. Therefore, we're going to be left with an impression of it. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of, right, I mean, there's a lot of directions to go to, so I'm trying to, like, um, which Shakar Gupta question should we answer to today? All right, you, you prep one. Oh my God. I know, I know, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, let's go with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions. I know. Shakar's going to get his own show one day. Um, That's all there is to it. I really don't know which direction. He asked about PAPN gear, which we should absolutely have and never have. Um, okay, let's stay. Let's stay a little bit on topic. You prepare Shakar, and then um, I'm going to go with Doug Scott. Doug asks, "What would need to be true for Stanford to make it to the playoff in 2018, 2019?" Thanks. Um, uh, uh, as far as the offense figures out how to be efficient, 
that's kind of it because right? it wasn't last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, the defense really does need to improve. But I was trying to figure that. I was trying to figure out a more specific way of saying, "Hey, the defense needs to get better." The, the three um, Pac-12 coaches I spoke to the most, like this calendar year, which were just kind of like shooting the shit. Um, when Stanford came up, all they ever said was they just need to like. No one expects them to be at Andrew Luck level of quarterback play every year. But it's been a it's been too much of a substantial drop off since luck. Yeah, well, in injuries, I think that's been the other thing here. Um, there have been a series of injuries they haven't homed in on a quarterback. And Kevin Hogan, I mean, I, I still think he was one of the more underrated players of the decade. Yeah. but he was hurt a lot, and when he was hurt, he was very much not as effective. When he was healthy, he was an awesome quarterback. Luck's ability but, to make you to to make you worry about downfield as much as teams would while they were still playing this grind him up two tight end, big jumbo set running football, like his ability to make you worried about, make you concerned about the opposite of what an offense actually does. Well, does that make sense? That like, Mm -hmm. that was what was so damn annoying about Stanford when they have that really, really top level quarterback play. And it shows when they play USC because USC will gamble and put, talent out single coverage and not worry about stuff as much because they're not respecting you in the same way in the passing game. Yeah. Three times in the last six years. Oh, well, also their defense, was at, their defense was crap against, against uh USC too. that. I, they suddenly couldn't defend. The it run. was bad. Yeah. yeah their, their defensive front was not good. Um, so in 2012, Josh Noons, uh, I think that's how you say that starts the year as quarterback. He gets that. Re- he gets replaced by Kevin Hogan. Hogan starts the next few years, but then in 2016, Ryan Burns starts out the year, gets overtaken by Keller Chris. Uh, then Keller Chris gets hurt at the end of the year. Isn't very effective. He starts out the year as starter. He isn't very effective. He gets hurt. KJ Costello comes in. I uh, guess what KJ, KJ Costello gets hurt, uh, in the off season as well. So they just need stability. They need to find their guy and be able to keep him on the field and build an offense around yeah. him. And they'll probably be fine. They just weren't efficient last year. Um, they have a lot of young, I think a lot of sophomores who could upgrade the defensive line a little bit, but it's unclear until they do it. Uh, but that's kind of their thing right now. They're not that far away. I just don't quite trust them uh, after well, they have, you know, two straight years of the same kind of young QB overtaking the veteran thing. And it's not really, uh, here's all right. Here's, here's Shakar's question. Here's the one we're going to use. Since we're on a PAC 12 theme still, do you legitimately see USC being a national title contender in the next five years? Not Alabama perennial championship level, of course, but potentially reaching the playoffs uh, a couple times and actually winning it once. Yeah. Uh, sure. No problem. Right. Reaching, yes, I, I struggle with the actually winning it part, but um, he just said he said contender, playoff, so playoff, absolutely. I think this is the one thing I'll say about today's preview that went up about USC is just that um, it's funny looking back at the number of coaches who have had a good year or two good years at USC. Like Larry Smith was had great uh, third and fourth or second and third years at USC. Ted Tolner had a great second year. Lane Kiffin had a great second year. Um, Steve Sarkeesian was probably going to have a pretty good second year until things uh, happened. So you could say the fact problem. that I don't think that's like <laughs> the 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 problem right now for for um, for Clay Helton is that 
you anybody can have a good year or two at USC. The talent's just too much. Uh, but the third year seems to be where you differentiate yourself, whether you're Ted Tolner or Pete Carroll, mm-hmm. who won a national title in his third year. And so I don't think they're going to win a national title in the third year, but we're going to at least find out if he's a long haul guy. Uh, so I'm going to completely cop out on this question and say, ask me in six months. Uh, I got two more real fast. Um, actually, I tell you what, Bill, let's do this. I've got a radio call. I'm doing an SB Nation radio hit. It's like a um, in 20 minutes. We'll go straight through it. Is that okay with you? I mean, until the phone rings, basically. Until the phone rings, and then you can okay. sign it off. I'm serious. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, this one's a pretty fast one that I can answer. If you want to chime in, go for it. Uh, Andrew Parker asked, which current coach will become the next Medulus? I think he means meddling AD, a la Alvarez and Fulmer. His <laughs> choices are the following. It's actually a pretty easy question. Saban, Dabo, no. Fisher, Paul Johnson. Um, and he says, et cetera, which I mean, that's, you know, uh, let's just say of this four, I can, the name I would knock off the list before you even spoke the word is Paul Johnson, because that yeah. man, does not give a good damn about what <laughs> it takes and uh, what is accomplished from being an AD. Uh, he's going to retire to a lake somewhere and complain and just be very much like my dad and <laughs> uh, and be super happy, happy doing it. Uh, Nick Saban will never be an athletic director. No. He will coach and then he will die. Uh, or be on, I'm still hoping that he can be on TV. He would be an incredible AD. There's no way he'll be an AD though. Uh, J- Jimbo, I, I cannot see Jimbo working in athletic director capacity. I do think Jimbo will be. I, I think it's. I think just by virtue of the amount of money that Sexton got him, I think this is it for Jimbo at A and M. Now this this could be it in three years, or it could be it in seven. I don't know. Um, I, I don't see him working as an athletic director. So the answer to this question is actually Dabo, but it's not. It's yeah. going to be for a while. Um, I think Dabo is built to become an athletic director. I think he's incredibly good in those corners of the culture. And uh, I think he'll do a fantastic job, probably peering over the shoulder of whatever head coach works for him in 20 years. It's just not going to be anytime soon. Is that okay? Yep. Yep. Um, That's the only answer. Got to save an or for you. It's a pretty good one. Uh, Kyle asks, it's a save an or Nick Saban national championships. Or Wisconsin playoff appearances? I really want to say Wisconsin. I can't say Wisconsin. It's not. It's, it's Nick Saban National Championships. That hurts, doesn't it? There's so many Wisconsin listeners, too. Okay. We got to say, look, I just, because I don't want everybody to freak out and I don't want the emails. I'm not saying Wisconsin's falling off. I just got done making fun of Nebraska as much as I could on this program. But like four episodes ago, I don't think Wisconsin's falling off. I think Wisconsin is the Volvo station wagon program. They're just going to keep on going. It's going to look pretty good doing it. The interior is respectable, right? Engine works great. Okay. Humble, reliable, hardworking. It's going to go for 200,000 miles. Whatever, whatever Barry Alvarez does up there that pissed off certain coaches Paul Chris seems to be eating it with a smile. Okay. Can you imagine him going anywhere else right now? I sure as hell couldn't. Nope. Can you look and see what happened to the last two coaches that left? One's a defensive coordinator at Utah right now and walked away from a head coaching job in the Pac-12 mid-year. Yeah. And one just got fired from a way too big form contract at Arkansas after basically... 
running down the entire SEC for his career at Wisconsin and talking about Rose Bowls and then telling me and a bunch of other reporters in his first two years when they were going buckshot in the SEC about how that model's going to work. That model might work, but maybe you weren't the architect. So, I love you, Wisconsin, but maybe we can all, maybe you and I can look back on this one and, and change our minds in December when Wisconsin finally wins that Big Ten Conference Championship game. How about that? Yes, we'll go with that. Uh, another Saban or real quick that Bridges Sports, oh, Saban okay. or Saban national titles or LeBron NBA titles. That was from our friend at Tanner Spearman, who goes Damn. by totally not a burner account. Damn. Uh, I mean, I feel like I, I, this is like a phone a friend moment. And <laughs> because you, you just picked the wrong Huckleberry for NBA analysis and Paul Flannery, who's SB Nation's like Godfrey for NBA is I think he's traveling at the moment to Golden State. Just say Saban. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know a lot about the NBA, but I know that LeBron shows up all the time. And from what I've been told, as much as as much as this white man loves Kyle Korver, um, what if LeBron went to the? Oh, I can't believe we're doing this. What if he went to like a <laughs> Western, Western Conference team, like Houston or? Yeah, Houston, uh, Golden State, and the LeBron's all. You wouldn't go to Golden State. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. I, sorry, I, I I thought you meant like a a Western Conference team other than like Houston or Golden State. Yeah, he could go to Houston. Then I think maybe you look at it because then whoever's coming out of the East is just dead. So maybe he can rack up a few more. If he goes to another Eastern Conference team, I'm going to go Saban. How's that? That feel good? If he, go, I'll go with that. If he goes to Houston here in in like two months, please, or whatever. please take zero stock in what the hell we just said. I watched Game 7 Golden State-Houston. It was the first time I watched a complete NBA game since LeBron beat uh, Golden State in Game 7. How many years two ago years was that? Ago. Okay. Two, yeah, two years there ago. Yeah. I know that my Atlanta Hawks are doomed to suck and occasionally be racist. And like I can't get into the NBA if the team I cheer for. I know the NBA is supposed to be like you cheer for a player or a scenario or something. I don't do that. I cheer for crap teams from Atlanta. That's in my DNA. I can't help it. And the crap team from Atlanta is extra crappy and hard to watch. Although we did get apparently a good lottery pick. Bill. Bill. Ben DeWalt wants to know Alex Grinch career path for one, three, five, and 10 years. Well, Ben, <laughs> you're asking too damn much. Those are four numbers. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to so, give you, I'm going to give you a couple. I'm going to give you a couple scenarios here. Um at least at least two. Almost at least three years in in Columbus. I would say you start to see coaching talk in year three. Is that fair? I would say year one. Year one, absolutely not. No. Right, no, it obviously depends on Shiano here, but I would say uh, one year from now, he's in the same role. Three years from now, he's defensive coordinator. Five years from now, he's a a head coach somewhere. All right, well, then, 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 then let's punch up the question a little bit. We're definitely saying he's in Columbus for three years. We're saying we assume he takes a head coaching job in year four or maybe five. Is it right. a G5 or a P5? I think if you've got that much Urban Meyer DNA, 
Uh, and assuming you've probably either won or played for a national title in that span, I'd, I'd say he could pro- potentially make the upgrade. I'm still, I've said this a few times now, I'm still very curious about the next couple of coaching carousels because we were very short on. Um, Is the sexy coordinator G5. coming back? I, it's possible it is because we were very short on successful G five head coaches getting P five jobs last year. And so well, yeah, because the market, kinda, the market can't create that every year. You say we were, we weren't successful this cycle, but I mean, damn dude, look what the AAC did for all those years. Well, I know, but I mean, like, you don't still, get a guys, mad rule, Tom Herman, Willie Taggart, you know, like a, a, it's got to slow down a little bit so you can cook them, you know, but well, you still though had, um, uh, I, I, man, I just completely lost my train of thought. You've still got Willie Fritz, who will probably get the call up at some point. You've still got... Um, Kansas. We're just assuming that happens, and I think Kansas fans are also assuming that happens. But you have Neil Brown. That was the biggest one. I, we, all, we just assumed somebody would snatch Neil Brown up, and then everything happens, and we're like, oh, wait, he's still there. Um, mm, so no that was unique. Nobody's gone after Appalachian state yet. Um, there, it just, there were some guys out there. Oh, even Satter, if there gonna be you, I mean, look, I'll Satter, say, Satter, I'll yeah. say this right now. If we want to talk we can turn into a blog post, if we want Jason, um, <laughs> Satterfield's gone and Neil Brown, but he's not gone yet. Neil Brown's That's gone. the whole point though. Neil, Satterfield and Neil Brown are, they're up. It's happening. I'm sure. But they didn't leave last year, and that's that's what I'm. I mean, there were still some names that you would have just assumed would have moved up, and they didn't. And so now I'm curious. But uh, yeah, it could have just been a one year thing. That's why I'm not. That's why I haven't written two thousand words about it already. The the new trend. It was one year, but I'm get, still curious. We still get another. We get another year of super fun, super stupid ideas about where Lane Kiffin's going to go, which I'm totally fine with. But I'm just like, that's going to that's going to dominate. Uh, when things kick up in October. Um, speaking of which, hey, we're going to go back to the well again. Cyrus Smith pulling a car. He gets two questions this week. Wow. Uh, if Georgia Tech becomes open, who says no? Lane Kiffin or Georgia Tech? Damn. Mm-hmm. Thinking about what I should say in public. I Because Georgia Tech has continued to employ Paul Johnson hasn't tried to push him out or at least hasn't successfully tried. Um, I kind of lean towards saying Georgia tech is more likely to say no, but that would be damn fascinating. I got the next question queued up. If you just want to, no, I don't know. I'm not going to pass because I'm not. Um, Lane Kiffin will not be at FAU after this year. I don't know right. if Georgia. No, I can say this. I don't think that's a philosophical fit. How's that? <laughs> that was a. That was a lot of. A lot of connotations in about Dude, you, spent, you, spent, you spent a week with as many lawyers as I have parsing through your words. You, you, it, it makes you stutter. Sandlapper Spike asks, would you expect the most 
basic FCS versus FCS stats to essentially mirror FBS versus FBS stats, or might there be exceptions slash anomalies? Also wondering if you've considered a general review of FCS, not unlike your approach to FCS, uh, meaning S&P plus, et cetera. Okay, so I'm, I'll answer this one real fast because I, I mean, I just wanted to acknowledge it. Number one, if I have the freaking time, I have an idea of how to go about doing S&P plus, not with full on play by play because I don't have full on play by play, but I've got some ideas uh, for kind of, uh, almost doing it like I did the um, the estimated S and P plus rankings from you know however many decades uh, when, before when I didn't have play by play. Got some ideas there. I just need the time to flesh it out. Uh, the other part, I think I've I assume I've mentioned this. I I, I say those words like thirty eight times a show now because I I fear saying the same thing twice without acknowledging it. But um, the one thing I think I'm not, I, I'm I'm I've got something in the works to kind of recreate how the game is played at the pro level, the college level and the high school level. If I can pull it off, it's going to be, it's awesome. Uh, We'll see if I can pull it off. But I would say that the one thing you'll notice is the further down you go from pro to college, from, from FBS to FCS to division two to high school and all that, the further down you go, the more big plays you're going to have and the more turnovers, excuse me, turnovers you're going to have. That's going to be the biggest difference because you're going to have more lopsided matchups and you're just going to have more mistakes. And so if you go down to the FCS level, it's not going to be a dramatic difference with FBS, but that's going to be the difference. You're going to have more breakdowns. You're going to have more lopsided matchups to take advantage of. You're not going to have quite the same level of, of proficiency throughout a defense. And so a mistake there, there will be more mistakes on defense. Uh, and I think the reason why North Dakota state has been so good is they're, they're about as close as you can get to kind of be mistake free in that regard. Um, but that's the difference. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at my phone. Let's just keep going. I mean, it, look, if, if I, I'm just going to jump off mid question, I guess that's all I can do. Um, <laughs> you want to go next? You want me to do it? Uh, yeah, well, here's a quick, another quick one at Sean Golding asks, do you think any of the turnover trophies that established themselves last season will or should make a return oh, in God, 2018? Yeah. Sincerely, Kennesaw, sincerely, Kennesaw State's uh, yeah, play. all of them. Why um, not? I want more. Two things. Yeah. First of all, it's it's going to become a little more sticky and we're going to get tired of the new ones at some point, but the old ones, I mean, why wouldn't Miami keep doing the belt? Even if it doesn't become a national story anymore, it's fun as hell. And I think the players will get into it even when it's not a new idea anymore. So yeah, by all means, keep doing it. Even if, even if you're not getting the same level of attention for it, keep doing it. Cause it's fun. Mm. Are we going to burn out that fast? Do you think? I think people were burning out on the, on the, uh, on Miami's belts. By the end of the year, the chain. I think the chain got a lot of attention, chain, yeah. and one of the things the ESPN one one of the things ESPN does is they will beat <laughs> yeah. stuff into the ground, yeah. man. And I get it because you got to fill a lot of time, and you got to you got to every so every time there's a game and you're Miami, you're on you're on ESPN. Like I don't know. Probably, I think with the ACC, you're on some form of of ABC, ESPN broadcasting all year. And accordingly, a new production team is assigned to each game. Now, sometimes production teams will lap back around and get the same team more than once a year. But like every time they're going to come in and look and go, what are we going to do in that segment break? What are we going to do in the the little pregame bump? What are we going to do with our sideline reporter when one team is down by 28 in the third? (laughs) Right. And that's why those those turnover chains and all the fun stuff like that's why it gets beat to death and we get sick of it but like 
Um, Temple had a scoreboard, which is like a dry erase board that they yeah. would go up and sign, which I thought was funny. I mean, I don't think anything beats the plank at Kennesaw State. Um, I like, I would like to see more comedic stuff. Um, and, uh, I mean, not to pick on Tennessee, but why not? I mean, the, the trash can became the, it, it created the opposite effect than what yeah. was atten- intended, which was so often the case with what Butch Jones would create. Yep. Um, it would be it would be funny if there were some unintentionally funny ones, um, <laughs> but yeah, just I, I I like the Kennesaw State route of just like have fun with it, make it goofy, and make um, sure the players come up with the idea, not the coaches. Yes, God, yes. Idea. The trash can the trash can was not a player's idea. No, there's no way. I'm pretty much I think, and I can text and ask, but I'm ninety percent sure. That was some crap that like may have may have been allegedly born out of a GA or something like that. I don't know, but there's no way a bunch of young kids came up with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, our friend John at Friendly Fire, F W I N D L Y Fire. Uh, are there any current political figures that you could see pushing legislation toward altering the NCAA amateur model? Uh, no, because they're all 75 year old white males. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that is when just for just so you know, uh, that's one uh, when we have our special edition uh, for. Uh, I still want to call it Project X on this show. It's I'm going to continue to call it Project. It, I X. think yeah. I, I don't think we need to put a code name on it anymore. Yeah, um, but that's just the first. Those are the first words that come to my head. I, before that, I have to think about what the title is. I just Project X comes out. That's what. That's the direction I want to take part of our conversation. Is okay. Like, what do we do instead of just like jumping up on our, on our soapbox and saying, pay the players. Like, how do we get from point A to point B? Not even if it's 1% possible, how do we get there? That's kind of what I want to pursue there. But that's a, uh, that's a tease right there. We're not going to go into that right now. Uh, slightly personal question. Ryan Dewey asks how much, how much Joe Burrow, and it's spelled all Cajun-y, did Godfrey talk at the family reunion thing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, two weeks two weeks ago, I was in Sabine or Sabine Parish, which is more commonly known for Toledo Bend Reservoir, which is on the Texas border, uh, but it's on the Louisiana side. Uh, for my wife's mother's family reunion, and that's the I ten, and that's the I ten and further south side of the family, not the I twenty part of the family. Um, so it was uh, it was a lot of old share and now that friggin' weirdo soup accent I can't pronounce. Roll my eyes at. Um, What's the LSU zeitgeist in my in-laws right now? Um, a little downtrodden, as they always are. Uh, <laughs> my, myopic as ever. You know, why don't we just shut down the program? Because we might go eight and four this year. Um, but I think that they ultimately uh, know that this isn't the year that they can reach up and strike at like 11, you know, 11, 12 wins. Um, it's, it really, I think it's going to be the faith year. And whether or not you lose your faith or whether or not you gain faith, in in Ed Orgeron because there's going to be a lot of talk publicly and privately about exactly who was left on the roster, exactly where the gaps were in recruiting. Is it Ed right. closing on classes? Is it a ton of attrition to the NFL because they have had a ton of attrition to the NFL? Who's to blame for that? Is it a gap? Uh, the, you know, it's this year at LSU. I feel like unless Burrow does, ca- I mean, unless they catch fire under Insminger, which is possible because I do like a lot of the things he did. Yeah. In the time in which he had, um, I don't think I don't. I will say I don't think the Insminger transition over uh, from Matt Canada is the end of the world at all. Um, but I think this year is going to be defined by what LSU fans s- sort of decide and decide what they think when they're in the stands. 
Right. You're going to lose. You're going to lose a Bama and you're probably yeah. going to lose an SEC West game that you feel like you shouldn't. And then you're probably any other SEC West game. Yeah. But then you're probably going to win a bunch of games where, you know, you, that you take for granted. Ensminger did a a lovely job of basically walking in saying, okay, we have to redesign an offense. Uh, Here are the things we seem to be good at. And here are the things we need to do to make sure defenses can't key on the things we're good at. So let's do that. And, and just kind of, it was the most logical approach. It wasn't awe inspiring. It didn't change the game of college football, but it leaned into their strengths about as well as they could have. I don't completely know what their strengths are going to be this year. Obviously they're still going to have good running backs because they always do. But I, I, I kind of feel like whatever those are, he's not going to reinvent the wheel, but he's going to lean on those strengths and that'll win them, uh, you know, a good number of games. Jeff Mitchell, our friend Jeff Mitchell, submits a lot of questions at the Frogcast TCU asks, can we admit UCF could have made a much better hire? Um, a little early. Uh, well, right. I mean, the, the, the well actually response is, of course not, because we don't know if he's going to win any games and you don't, you know, you don't want worry about winning the off season and all that. <laughs> um, the one I was surprised by it. I expected Heupel to, ta- to have to take a lower job than that. But I was impressed with them basically saying, here's the identity that we like to have. We're going to be up-tempo. We're going to be fast as hell. Uh, and we're going to be cocky as hell. Uh, and then basically going out and saying, who, who embodies that the most? Oh, hey, this guy who's super cocky, won a national title as a quarterback and operates with just about the fastest uh, offense in the country. Like they, they went for identity instead of just the purely most logical or the biggest name, the guy who would win them the biggest plot. It's right off the bat. I, that's none of that's to say it's going to work. We'll find out if it works, but I don't mind going with the identity approach. Um, little early. <laughs> little early. Like, damn, hey, dude. he hasn't won it. He hasn't won a single damn game yet. I don't know I what mean, you're waiting. Damn. On. Like y'all are getting cold about this. Uh, I, I'm trying to think who else was in that conversation at the time. If it was if it was something where there was a sexier pick and I don't really remember it, it was a surprise. Um, but if you, I mean, Frost was kind of a surprise at first. Um, I think a lot of people wanted Troy Walters. Um, you know, Frost OC at, uh, that's at not, UCF. Yeah, and, and and there's a lot of mid majors. I mean, we're, there's going to be a, there's a referendum out on Major Applewhite this year. You know, right? For and and that was the move Houston made was. He knows the kids, he knows the program, he knows the area. Like, I don't know, like this could be, you know, th- this could be a nice smooth transition. And, and of course, like, you know, just because you have a successful program and you have successful coordinators, it just, that's not a, that's not a one-to-one translation. Literally, no, as I mean, we're recording we're- this, I'm seeing Twitter say that I'm up next on this radio show and I have not been called. So. <laughs> no, no, Walter's. Walters, I mean, obviously the continuity there would have been something, but, you know, he didn't have – Hypo had more coordinator experience than he did, uh, and he's got a lot of success on his resume. So um, I, that's, I, I get why you would be put off by it because it wasn't awe-inspiring, but that, that doesn't mean it's not going to work. Um, we're just going to keep right on asking questions until your phone rings. How about – do-do-do-do-do. 
I think we've touched on this one a lot, and and so it's probably not a short answer question. But Stanford, Baylor, and Washington. This comes from Tim J. Hauser. Stanford, Baylor, Washington, et cetera, prove you can win anywhere when given the resources and institutional commitment. Are they <laughs> Baylor makes me feel icky, but yes, true. Uh, are there any also ran P5, G5 schools that have recently made changes in funding slash commitment that we can expect to see dramatic improvements in over the next two to three years? Hmm. Uh, the best parts of the live show when we don't pre-plan our segments are the long grunts and pauses. I, I, I added some of that stuff out. I can't help it. Oh, good. I never listen to the show when it goes up. So no, they're, they're definitely they're, every episode when we're done recording, it ends up being about a two, two to three minutes shorter than whatever it took us Just to shaving off the grunts. Yep. Um, I, this is a, a very, I don't want to say a biased answer, but it comes from the simple fact that I visited there recently. Oklahoma State blew me away. Their facilities blew me away. Uh, I think they have done everything they possibly could from an infrastructure standpoint to kind of permanently move themselves up the ladder. Um, and so that, that kind of stuck with me a little bit. All right, what's, I like what, what's, what's the rubric again? Uh, it, it was already changed. Okay. So uh, you can win anywhere given mm-hmm. when given resources and institutional right. commitment, who has, who's made changes in their level of resources and <laughs> institutional radio, Bill, my answer is TCU. Okay. My answer is TCU to that question. I love you. I'll talk to you guys next week. Yep. Uh, yeah, TC is another good one. Basically, I wanted to say Arkansas, too. I like the investments they're making, but they're in the SEC West, just like Mississippi State's in the uh, SEC West. So therefore it doesn't really count. Anyway. Uh, I appreciate the time. We're going to have a couple special, as Godfrey mentioned, we're going to have a couple of special episodes, uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully it will sound new and fresh as if we're recording it right then. Uh, we will talk all of the Mississippi project X, et cetera, stuff that you want next week. We'll talk to Athlon's Mitch light the week after that. Hope you stick with us. Uh, season's getting closer and, uh, the, the listenership is going up, which means I think people are ready for the season, which I don't know if I'm quite ready yet, but anyway, Catch me at SBN underscore Bill C on Twitter and Instagram. Catch him at 38 Godfrey. Uh, we appreciate all the support. We Every single time we solicit questions, we get 50 times more questions than we expect. And it's amazing. And I'm sorry we don't get to more of them. But we'll talk to you pretty, guys pretty soon.